This morning we will be in the Gospel of John chapter 2. If you want to turn there in your Bible or turn to there in your app, um, the Gospel of John is in the New Testament. It's one of four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, it tells us uh, the story of Jesus, written by John, one of the, the followers of Jesus. Uh, these Gospels, uh, and this Gospel in particular, is full of stories that tell us about who Jesus was, how he worked. And today we're going to look in John chapter 2 at one story of a day where Jesus was invited to a wedding, and we'll see what happened there. Um, but while I was considering what kind of message to do for us uh, today, um, there's all kinds of things that uh, is kind of wide open. I could have talked about anything. I can, uh, could talk about uh, William Jessup University and impacting the next generation uh, of leaders, which would be uh, a great topic to talk about. Or uh, since uh, I, I could talk about kind of some fish-related Bible story, like fishermen dropping their nets to follow Jesus or Jonah and the whale is always kind of a great uh, topic to have the marine biologist speak on. Um, or uh, Pastor Chris also said I could talk about science and faith, which would be a great fun topic to do with you. But um, as I was praying about, um, God, what am I supposed to bring to these people that I, I don't really know, don't know what they're going through right now? Um, I just felt God saying, you know, come back to, uh, come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus, come back to his work, um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I don't know you, I don't know what you're going through, but if I can be real and honest with you, uh, the past couple of years for my life have been a little bit uh, difficult, disorienting, um, as I kind of made a transition in career. My family's also been transitioning. I have four young kids. The oldest is now a teenager. Some of you know what that's like. Um, the youngest kids are in school now, so my wife went back to work. And so it's just tons of questions, tons of different circumstances. And uh, in the midst of all that, as we go through all that, uh, there's one thing that remains, one thing that is solid, one thing that is lasting, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is his work in our lives. And so as we come back, regardless of what you're going through today, we can always come back and say, Jesus, who are you? How are you working? And I hope that as we take a few minutes today, I think summer is a great time to kind of reboot, re-examine some of our lives of all we have today because we're, we're so busy in life is these 20 minutes to reflect. I just thought if I could bring something uh, to talk to you about for 20 minutes, it'd be Jesus and his work. Uh, and so today we'll look at uh, this story in John chapter 2. Uh, and let me give us kind of our, our big question for today. And this question is, what role would Jesus play at your party? What role would Jesus play at your party? Maybe a little bit of an odd question. So uh, let's go ahead and just get right into the scripture here. Maybe it will begin to make sense for us. John chapter 2, it says, on the third day, now, if you're taking notes, you're underlining your Bible, underline that third day. We'll come back to that in a little bit. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. However, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine. Now let me pause there for a moment for a little bit of context because uh, this is one thing that I love that uh, God's Word does. You know, sometimes we think of spiritual things as kind of these, these aloof, distant things that um, we're not too familiar with. And then uh, Scripture brings back to everyday, normal experiences that we can um, be a part of. It's wedding season, isn't it? 
Okay, you're either invited to a wedding, perhaps. Maybe some of you are putting on a wedding. Maybe some of you are getting married. Um, but with a wedding comes lots of different things, right? One is the invitations. Now, there might not be as much stress in the, the wedding preparations, invitations, okay? We can only invite this many because we can only provide preparations for this many. So that number is 150, 200. Well, my list is 300. Then mom gave me a list, and it's this much. And your list is 200. And we somehow have to whittle that down. And those last 10, 15 are incredibly stressful. We've got to invite it. Why do we have to invite it? Invite list, okay? One of the, the preparations. There's lots of other preparations, right? We've got to find the place. We've got to make sure everything is just right. Make sure there's enough food so all the guests go away. Happy weddings, okay? If you're planning a wedding right now, I'll just pray for you um, because there's a lot that goes into it. But there's a wedding going on, and we find out that Jesus made the invite list. He got an invitation, maybe one uh, similar to what I got, and it says, We kindly request the honor of your presence at the wedding of our children. Jesus made the invite list. His mom's there. She seems to be a major part in it. His disciples, some of his friends are there with him. But we find out early in this story that there's a problem with the preparations. Maybe the invite list got a little too long, and the wine runs out. Now, Jewish weddings are a little different than ours. You know, we have maybe a five, six-hour celebration after the ceremony. Uh, Jewish weddings lasted a full week, a full seven days of celebrating the bride and groom and their marriage. And, and so the groom had to prepare all of the provisions for a full week, food and, and drink. And we find out that after just a couple days, the wine has run out. Now, this was a huge thing back then because not only would that be kind of socially bad, like, do you remember the wedding of so-and-so, and they ran out of wine? Oh, that was awful. But it also is a huge thing. People could actually be fined for running out of wine during that day. So Jesus' mom, Mary, had something to do with the wedding, and as soon as the wine ran out, she kind of went over to Jesus and said, hey, the wine ran out. We need to fix this. Jesus responds, and he says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? Now, that may sound a little bit harsh at first, but it's all about the tone. And in the original language here, it's not actually uh, like, woman, what does this have to do with me? It's not like that. It's just kind of saying, why, why are you involving me in this? You know, it's not my time yet. My hour hasn't come to do miraculous. At this point, Jesus has not done any miracles to show who he truly is. And so he, he simply says, it's not my time to do anything about this. But Mary does something peculiar, and, and she kind of turns to the servants and says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, Jesus did say something. He said, now there uh, were some stone water jars there. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So he took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, which had become wine... It did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew it had come from the water. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine comes out. But you have kept the good wine, the best wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
Now, just to really kind of get the, the picture uh, of what this was like. As a wedding ceremony, a, a normal kind of experience in the life of the people that Jesus was just kind of there. He hadn't been invited to. Some big need arises, okay, that's causing lots of stress, lots of anxiety. There, there's something that's missing there that's going to impact the whole thing. And so Jesus does step forward to give the people a miracle, a sign, a, a way that he shows his glory, a way that causes people to believe in him, and he meets that need. Now, later on at the end of John, John 21, the author of the gospel writes that there were many signs that Jesus did, so many that we couldn't even write enough books to, to hold them all. So why was this the first one that Jesus stepped into? Well, in order to, to understand this, uh, we need to know that this isn't just something that Jesus did way back when to, to make a bride's wedding day go better. Uh, this is a story that's recorded in God's Word because God wants His people, you and I, uh, to know something about how He works and how He still continues to work in our lives. Because if Jesus worked this way then, He may work this way now as well. So what are some of the truths that we can pull out uh, from this passage? Number one, I'd say this, that Jesus enters into the normal experiences of life. Now, we read this story, it may seem kind of trivial. Jesus, this is, the, this is the first thing that you do to show your glory. You, you attend a wedding and you make the wedding day better. Maybe it seems so simple. It seems like maybe Jesus should do something more than just help uh, Bridezilla get through her day, you know? Uh, but there's something so beautiful and wonderful about this that we see that Jesus is willing to enter into the normal experiences of life. If he did it back then, maybe he still do it for you and I today. Into our ordinary experience, if Jesus shows up at a wedding and makes a difference there, maybe he might show up into our cubicle at work. Maybe he'll show up around our dinner table where things seem to be so chaotic or when we sit at our desk and try to balance our banking out. Jesus shows up into the normal, everyday experiences of his people. And he wants us to know that. But there's something even a little bit more. If we can understand what, what wine meant to, to the people of Israel. In fact, the Old Testament is full of examples where, where God uses wine as an example, as a sign, as a, as a symbol of the joy and the blessing of his people. In fact, when the, the fields are not ripening, when the vats have gone dry. It's a symbol of spiritual barrenness. So when Jesus steps in here and he, he brings back the wine, he's, he's showing that he came to step into the everyday experiences and restore the joy and the blessing of God's people. Where we are lacking, where we are struggling, where we are empty, Jesus comes and he makes it full again. In your circumstance, what difference would it make to know that Jesus is there and that Jesus cares and that he is watching in the midst of our struggles? But of course, uh, Jesus doesn't just sit and watch. He's actually invited to do something about. So uh, let's take a look real quick. What does Jesus actually do? Jesus takes ordinary and he turns it into extraordinary. It says that Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. 
normal, everyday water, right? Ordinary water, we all have it available to us for the most part. Okay? It's ordinary. Jesus says, fill the jars with water. What does he then do? Well, it says that the master of the feast tasted whatever the servants brought to them, and what did he find? Well, he got a little of this. Now, in case you don't know what this is, okay, this is what in my, I didn't grow up in Napa Valley, so this is what grandma used to bring out at a party, all right? It's fundamentally different than water. We don't have to be a biologist or a chemist to understand that these two things, water and wine, are fundamentally in their nature very different things. And what Jesus did was he transformed the ordinary into the extraordinary. He took what was normal, and he transformed it. And that is the work that Jesus does. It's a transformational work. You see, I can do a little something to this water to make it a little bit different. I can take one of these little packets, okay, maybe you're familiar with, and I can do a little of this, okay, change it around a little bit, okay, but when it comes down to the nature of it, that is not that. I won't taste the other one, but it's the real deal. And while we can do a little bit to our ordinary, Jesus takes and he completely transforms in very nature. This is the work that Jesus does. And you want to know what's amazing is it says, uh, not only did the master of feasts taste water become wine, but he said, this is the best of the wines. This is what he brought out. Now, I don't know my wines very well, but uh, looking online, I saw that there are some Napa Valley wines that would sell for about $2,500 a bottle. And I don't know if any of you have it, but I don't know what would have to go into the bottle to make it worth that, but it probably was the wine that Jesus made back then. <laughs> okay? Well, you see, this is what Jesus does. He takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary, not just changing the nature, but making it good and, and fine. And this is the work that Jesus came to do, not just at a wedding in Cana 2,000 years ago, but that he does in your and my life today. He takes whatever we are, whatever we were, our brokenness, our hurting, our dirty, our messed up, and completely transforms into the new. See, this was a sign of Jesus' ultimate work, that Jesus would one day go to the cross, as we remember during communion, that, that he would go, and that those words, on the third day, Jesus did a work at the wedding. On the third day, it says later on in the scriptures, Jesus told his disciples okay, that on the third day, he would rise from the dead. Later on in 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul writes that this is of first importance that we understand this, that Jesus was dead and crucified, dead. And that on the third day, He rose again, according to the scriptures. Now, to make something dead alive again, that is a transformative work. There's nothing that you and I can do, but that is the ultimate work that Jesus did. And this, the first of his signs, points to the ultimate work that he wants to do in our lives. And when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, more than turning water into wine, he showed that he is fully capable of transforming Anything. He is God. 
He can change water into wine. He can make the wind and the waves calm. He can make the blind see. He can make the deaf hear and the lame to walk again. He can make the dead to life. And he can make you into something new and extraordinary. It's the work that Jesus does. He's fully capable because he's God. What difference might it make in your life if you remember that not only does he care about your life, but that he can make a difference. He can transform. Now, many of us who may say, I, I know all that. That's the first reason that I invited Jesus into my life to begin with. That's the reason we're here. And we can even look back maybe and remember who we were before Christ and how he did a transformative work in our lives, that he took what we were and made us now what we are. I can remember my story of transformation. You can remember yours. But maybe the days have gone on. The wedding has lasted long. The wine is running dry. And when we're searching for some joy, when we're searching for, God, where's your blessing? We're running around trying to make all the preparations ourselves. You see, you and I are pretty capable people. We can do a lot. Okay, when the milk runs out, we run to the grocery store. Okay, when the paychecks running low, we look for a new job. We use our skills and abilities to do what we can. But we miss out on what God has for us. And sometimes, maybe... The days have gone on so long, we say, this is just what the party looks like. The wine's out. It's not going to be what I thought it was going to be. No joy. Missing God's blessing. This is just my lot in life. But what we need to remember from this story is that Jesus is there. He's already been invited in. In fact, he comes and he makes himself present in our lives. And he's there and he's ready to work. Once he started his ministry of transformation, the wedding day of Cana, he has not stopped. And he is here and he is present and he is ready to work in your lives. He's there with you when you're bathing the children. He's there with you when you're getting ready for another day of work. He's there when you're sitting trying to balance your ledger. He's there when you're trying to make that decision or when you're feeling lonely. The difference are is now that the invitation has gone out, are we simply inviting Jesus to kindly make his presence in our life? Are we saying, just come, be, be in attendance as I live out my life. Just watch as I go through all these things and try to do what we do. Or do we invite him to work? Do we invite his powerful presence into our lives? Do we say, Jesus, we know that you are present. We know that you are here. But Jesus, help me in my time of need. There's a, another character that we mentioned. I mean, this story is all about Jesus and about his work and about who he is and the work he wants to do and who you can trust him to be no matter what you're going through. But there's another character, right? It was his mother. His mother was the one that invited Jesus to work. And at first, Jesus seems a little bit hesitant, doesn't he? I don't know how many times before this. Uh, if you remember Mary, 
I mean, she was the one that angel showed up and said, you're going to give birth to a son. She said, I'm a virgin. How could this be? And she was the one that had this miraculous thing happen to her that she must have been holding on all through Jesus' childhood. Who knows? Maybe she said, Jesus, I need to clean up the house. Can you get it done quick? The Bible says he didn't. He lived out his childhood. He lived out his early years without doing miracles. I don't know how many times it was that maybe Mary said, hey, Jesus, could you help with this? And Jesus responded and said, not now. Now's not the time. But Mary didn't stop asking. In fact, she knew who Jesus was. And she even turned to the servants when Jesus said, not this time. He said, hey, if he tells you to do something, go and do it. That, my friends, is what we call faith. That even when Jesus is not acting right away, that we continue to ask and that our faith eventually invites Jesus to work and to act and to meet us where we are. And so while Jesus is fully capable, while Jesus is ready to do a transformational work, while Jesus cares about what it is that you're going through, are we inviting more than his presence, but are we inviting him to work and to transform our experience? What role would Jesus play at your party? If we go back to the question. Would he just be an invited guest? Or would we invite him to do his thing? That thing is transformation. See, friends, I think what it comes down to is for us to be truly followers of Jesus, we fully recognize who he is and the work that he does. For us to be a Christian university at William Jessup, it doesn't just mean that uh, we put our name on a board and uh, we throw a couple prayers in there. It's that we invite him to sit at every table, that we invite him to sit at every classroom, that we invite him to do a work to transform and to help us be who we cannot be ourselves. For LifePoint to be a Christian church, it doesn't just mean that we kind of show up and we talk some about Jesus and we invite him to be in this place, but that we invite him to work in our lives, to help him to, to transform us, to be his people that are a light in this community and in this world. And for us to be Christians, for us to be followers of Jesus, it means that we don't just call ourselves that, but that we invite him to work in our everyday experiences.